0: The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to MetaGamers Anonymous, program dedicated to tabletop role playing games and mostly related material, and a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Jason. I'm Rich. And I'm Vanessa. This is episode number 259, and thank you so much for being here, guys. Appreciate it. Coming out on a Sunday. We're trying to get weekly shows out now. How are we doing? we have been back episodes. This is crazy. It is weird. It is weird. It's, it's, it's been a day or two. It's probably going to happen more if we keep this kind of schedule, obviously. True. That's true. Because we're doing the other show, the Exposition Street show, um, right before this one. So The other our, show. Sunday. The other show. Uh, but yeah, that's fun. It's nice to have you on the show, man. Yes, it's, it's good to be here. It's cool that it works out. Um, if you feel like saying anything the rest of the show, feel free. Okay.
1: <laughs> Feedback at <laughs> There you go. It's uh, on
0: If that's all you have to contribute, I still I'm appreciate you, i off your sir. mic. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. Uh, no, I, I got an announcement to make. I so so the last of I don't know, weeks, weeks now, last six, eight weeks or so, I've been getting nonstop questions about Tsunamicon because I haven't made announcements about hardly anything. And the reason that we put off making announcements so long is because we wanted things to work out a certain way and we're trying. But every attempt to have a live event this year has not panned out. There just isn't really an option. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that's been scheduled into the space that we're looking for. There was a lot of... um, Issues with financing, uh, raising the money we need in time, a lot of uh, the venues that are available are ones that require a lot of upfront capital, and I just don't know what to expect from this con. So we are going to go with the original plan that we stated at the beginning of the year and have a virtual con again in October for TsunamiCon 2021. So I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping if you're listening to the show, this, this provides you an opportunity to... Spend some time with us uh, playing games wherever you are. And I, And although I imagine we will probably always have an online component to our conventions, focusing it this way means that uh, all of the attention is in the online ro- world, so you'll have access to all the gaming we have. And I think that's uh, worth getting involved in. I think it's worth being a part of. It's not a super expensive ticket. It's It's a great way to spend a weekend. It's October twenty second through twenty fourth this year. Waited till after after tax extension.
2: <laughs> Thank <laughs> you
0: <laughs> for the for that half of the cast over on that side of the room, and uh, I I'm looking forward to it. I think it's still going to be fun. There's a lot of people who um, have already picked up tickets. There's uh, badges available if you want a Sentinel Pass. You can you can do that and get early access when we open up. Uh, you know the the gaming schedule for everybody, the event schedule to sign up. Yeah, and you get your your merchandise, your official T-shirt and your your dice and all that stuff. So uh, definitely check it out. TsunamiCon.org is the place to find all the info. And um, I'm just kind of looking forward to getting started on it. I know a lot of our, in the past, we've tried to, you know, open things up earlier, try to make announcements earlier. A lot of times it doesn't make a big difference. People don't start submitting games until, you know, weeks ahead, a few weeks ahead at the best. And <laughs> We, this is the time, guys. The, now is the time. You don't even have to have badge to schedule your game. You can buy your badge later if you need to, although, you know, again, super cheap. Uh, just go ahead and uh, get on there, and if you have something you'd like to run, we want content. And uh, there is a GM's badge that's, you know, uh, like the dead minimum. They basically, you pay what we pass on. Every penny you pay us for that badge goes straight to the uh, processing server that handles the website and everything for us, so uh, it's only a couple bucks. But Go ahead and uh, get on it. Be, be part of the fun this year. I think it'll be a good time. I don't know necessarily what to expect yet in terms of what kind of events we're going to have. Uh, we try to have Mikey Mason involved with every con, and I don't know whether or not he's going to have the opportunity this year because he's going to be on tour. And, uh, we had hoped actually to have a live event because it would have worked out perfectly to have him stop in Wichita on the way yeah. to his next stop. So unless things change for him, I don't know whether or not he'll be doing a live show, but we'll still work on it. And who knows? Who knows what we'll come up with? I think it'll be fun. And lots of other, you know, uh, events, probably some panels, things that uh, we're going to get some get some big people involved like we always do. The
2: panels do. last year were cool.
1: Yeah, I thought, I thought the panels were yeah. really we good. We were able to do some nice stuff in the virtual space.
0: So uh, that's, and and again, being able to open up to where people can, you know, uh, contribute and attend from anywhere is huge. I mean, it's really good. Uh, During our game fair, I got to play in one of Jiberg's games, uh, Jiberg Gallo. He's an Italian game designer who lives in Italy, lives in Bari, and he ran a game. I don't remember what time of day it was for him when he ran it. (laughs) But uh, we had a good time, you know, It's and it's just it's just great to be able to mix it up with folks that I don't normally ever get to see. Uh, so there you go, TsunamiCon.org. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about... In the spirit of the convention, you're going to talk about some one shot game stuff because, as uh, our, our, our our typical gimmick, our typical premise for Metagamers Anonymous is built on the um, ideology of immersive play. And immersion, although there's a lot of short term ramifications of it and ways that you can use it in any gaming experience, even one shot games at the table, our general approach is built on long term development, you know, where you get to develop, not just originate, but develop a character and their story over time. So campaigns are our typical modus operandi for this. One shots however are a big part of our typical approach to gaming, you both because we just like gaming, so you know, there's no reason not to enjoy getting together and playing a game whatever it is. And because we run conventions and events where it's the it's the monster of the week, you know, it's it's the way to handle it. You put together a game that you can run for a group at a data table or virtual table in this case for four hours, whatnot, and uh, make it kind of self, you know, encapsulating if you can. And uh, you know, it, it, it's got its it's got its own challenges. I, I've written a lot of one shot games. I do enjoy running convention games. You know, I I need to challenge myself to write some new stuff. As it is, I've got um, I've got a I'll be heading to Gen Con in September, and uh, there's people out there that want me to run games for them. So I've got to put some of that stuff together, and it's going to be the same sort of fair, right? got to put together a game that could be run in you know four hours. Or Although then, there at least I know exactly what system it'll be because they're all big Savage Worlds fans, the group that I'm going to be
2: with. Who them. isn't? Well, yeah, right?
0: You know. <laughs> I imagine a lot of our listeners are D&D players and such, though, or, or other, you know. So we try to keep it loose so that you can apply a lot of what we talk about to any sort of system, but we do talk a lot of D&D, and we used to talk a lot of Savage Worlds because when we are playing it a lot, it was on our mind. It's just what we're playing, you know, have it. But you guys did a
1: game this last week, right? It's yes, right. We did. I, uh, yeah, I've been working on a on a one shot scenario. I finally had that inspiration. I've been watching videos where they take IP and turn it into little one shot games, and they do you know different stats and things like that. And I'm like. So, basically, that's the formula. You set up some little story thing. You create a few simple stats to roll against to make it interesting. And then you let the characters express themselves through play. So, all I need to do is create a scenario that encourages characters. Oh, Um, it did. And and so, I said, well, how bad of a clusterfuck can I make this?
2: It was pretty clusterfuck.
1: (laughs) And so, I created a game. Was it? I actually have a full name here, but it it's a uh, it's a reality show. So there are some rails,
0: but the characters aren't railed. Now be sure. Usually, I don't I don't worry about spoiling anything on the show because this we're won't just talking spoil about our experiences. It. But be sure if you plan to run this
1: at the con or anything that you're not you know. Uh, this won't spoil it. And two people in this room were in the game and actually look forward to running in it again.
0: Yes. So replayability is high. It has
1: yes. high replayability. Cool. That's that's one of the keys. Wow, I have which notes. is counter to most one shots. Which is counter to most one shots. That's true. A lot of the ones I've written have very specific kind ah. of story framing. That's it. It's called surviving the cookoff at love junk of ah at surviving the cookoff of love jungle.
0: I thought you said love junk for a second. I am like, wow,
1: that is <laughs> no, no, really, it's not that really far blatant. out. Uh, I am sticking to an R. We're <laughs> not going, we're not going to an NC seventeen set. I definitely Good will here. fade to black before it gets that far. Um, Aww, but but basically, it is a reality show. These people get driven out. They don't really know what they're getting into. They each have skills, like in the character process. As a matter of fact, well, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, they get driven out into the middle of jungle, and now aha, We're doing our reality program, and then you come to find out it is a com a sick combination of Survivor, The Great British Bake Off, and any of a number of romance style <laughs> like the Bachelor kind games, of stuff. like The Bachelor, yes. or or any of those little things where they have people dating each other crosswise and
2: seeing if they want to go out with each
1: other again, uh, blind date style. <laughs> so it's just. Basically the worst of the worst is some kind of money grab. I think in my head Canon, the production company is a subsidiary of a company and it's a loss leader for them. They just dump money into it to lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. so they just send a bunch of people out there. So uh, one of the first things I said, hey when you know do you guys want to care if we run this short scenario? I can make it last as long as I need to. Uh, it's that flexible. And there <laughs> one of them said, I don't want to spend two hours making a character just to play for another hour or two. I bet I wasn't that was. oh, it wasn't no. me. Oh, no. oh, wow. no. No. Okay. No. It wasn't me. No. wow. Nope. Nope. It I echoed husband. it very quickly. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Um, and I said, no, it should only take about an hour. An hour later, the characters were done. Uh, with some role play in it. With some role play is actually part of the character development. I actually stole some things from Fate. Mm-hmm. So here I am, I have, you know, basically there's three stats. There's your survival stat, there's your baking stat, and there's your uh, social stat, your romance.
0: (laughs) I've I've talked about this a lot, the way indie games, good indie games, know exactly what they're doing because they do the one thing that they're doing well, but they're not really versatile – this would be a hard system to play D&D with, I'm guessing. You know that Yeah, I wouldn't want to build right? it
1: into D&D. That'd be
0: weird. Uh, <laughs> what, what is my elf's baking stat and why does so, it
1: matter? So basically, you end up with two, three, or four dice. You have a high stat, a low stat, and a middle stat. And each person picks their own to develop the characters. I have three NPCs. Each of them has a different mix of stats. So they're, they're, they're competing against NPCs. So here we are. We go through. I, I say, set up these stats. And I said, okay, it's it's based off of a, a thing. So I come in here. I'm like, okay, we're going to come up with names, but you can make that up later. I said, I need your profession. Are you a homemaker? Are you a professional cake decorator? What do you do for a living? And where are you from? Because that's what you do when you start a reality television program. They introduce this as a name. He is a student from Florida. Boom. Boom. So that's, the, that's your character build, and then you can build descriptions to give you uh, roleplay. So off of that, they started come up with characters, and I, I gave each people three aspects, which would give them like additional dice to hit their targets. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the aspects, I basically said, okay, something happened in your life uh, involving food or cooking. Tell me a story about what happened to your character at some point in the past. They told the story, and I said, okay, what type of aspect can we build off of that? And we built an aspect that we could call on later. So each of them ended up role-playing three different types of things, one involving the d- three different characters. And, and there we are. At that point, I threw in some motivations, and they've got characters we could actually play with. Uh, and, and it was really – we built really wild characters. And, and then I railroaded them through a reality television thing. Basically, the directors kept telling them, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this. I, I tell them to describe how they want to do it. We roll the dice. That tells us how it actually succeeded or failed. And
2: I managed to crit fail, yay!
1: <laughs> that was so awesome. Three though. ones, three ones on a baking roll. So I had uh, I had that turn out where my other my NPC who's a master baker, um, she didn't like what she was doing, and so uh, she replaced the water that the lasagna noodles were boiling in with vinegar. <laughs> Um, which explained why her pasta didn't turn out well and didn't set well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it just you know, we come up with these little things and, and these little side stories going on, and it was kind of kind of fun. And and uh, add to that, add to that, this is a reality show. So after each big competition, I let each of them. Do a small monologue to break the fourth wall and talk to the camera and talk about what their character was experiencing and what they thought about the other contestants.
0: I was just gonna ask if you guys had confessionals. Yeah. Yes. We did it. Absolutely confessionals were so
1: much fun. And it just made the game more fun. And uh we played for three hours. If I could have added another set of rounds through the different contests, we could have and another player, we still could have done it easily in four hour time block beginning to end. Hmm. And it just it was a way to make a simple, fun system. Uh, and I'll probably end up running something like that. You um, totally should. Because our We're competing well, and uh, the, the romance was even still funny.
0: So the the combination of um, elements, basically, focus elements in the game were romance, baking, and survival. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, and you gave the, each of those basically a stat. Yes. So you could probably utilize the same system in a in that context for like a reality show with any three provided elements.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the other keys and, and one of the things that helps with replayability, I have a list of different scenarios we randomly rolled for what the producers were gonna have happen. <laughs> nice. So um,
0: that's like challenges, obstacles, things like that.
1: Right. When we did a baking challenge, I asked, you know, we actually, I'll probably actually describe it next time as spinning a wheel to, to see what type of main dish right. it did, what ingredient it had to include, and another optional ingredient. And so the more of those you included, the lower it made the uh, target number. Uh, they got the target number down to nine, but if you roll three ones, Not you're so good, huh? You're, I think they had to do a meat dish. Um, a meat dish with, uh, with eggplant, eggplant in and it. Then
2: tomato was the and option. could
1: have optionally tomato also in it. So she made a kitchen sink lasagna. Oh,
2: have a little not, bit of everything.
1: Wow, well. <laughs> and not well apparently, <laughs> not oh. well. And then I had the the person who I the MPC who I had do the vinegar and ruin her dish. She Did rolled really well thing. on her. She made the exact same lasagna, but she made it right. <laughs> and it set up and oh, it was six feet high and it was beautiful. So does anybody get voted off the island? That- uh, we didn't quite get to that and I don't think that's really necessary because at the end of the day, when you succeed, right depending on how well you succeed and how well your role play entertained me, you can go up one to two. I may make it one to three uh, points in a category because each category has like up zero a to 12 system. as a score. Yeah. And as you pass thresholds, your number of dice in your related ability goes up and down. So your starting level on those bars is based on where you're at. And nice. then, as you improve it, you know, everybody starts with the same number of points all added together. As you improve it and you roll well, you get more stuff. If you fail, you start to reduce stuff and lower your abilities and lower your options. Because if you keep failing, you're not going to be as good next time you do it because you're going to lose some confidence.
0: So, Richard's challenge to you, if you're listening and are going to attend TsunamiCon, is submit your ideas for three elements that he can include in a reality show game. That would be fun. And he'll run it at the con. That would be fun. I, I could do something like that. Um, I want something with
1: Cthulhu in it, but I'm not sure how. <laughs> Cthulhu is everywhere. It's easy.
0: Yeah, that's pretty easy, isn't it? Maybe too
1: much. Yeah. All we need to do is do something to vibrate us into the other realm, and we're,
0: we're on. Yeah, but uh, Baking and Cthulhu together just appeals to me for some reason.
1: It That sounds it does. terrifying. I um, <laughs>
0: accidentally summoned the old one with my roll.
1: Uh, the Dark Lord will rise and then proof and then rise again. That's fair. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was doing
0: really good until she uh, summoned the tap. The I was really feeling like I was ahead in the game, and then that just, you know, literally blew it all to hell. I mean, <laughs> have you seen this place?
1: <laughs> I can't remember what the Yellow King's name is. What was the Yellow King's name again? Could you tell me again?
0: <laughs> again?
1: <laughs> do you remember... I don't remember. I can't remember. Could you say it? Again? (laughs) 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 All right. Haster. Cool,
0: cool. (laughs) So I think it's a really strong example of how you can take, though, a simple concept and make it an entertaining one-shot scenario, you know, with with all the elements you need, all the nuts and bolts you need to make it work, and then just uh, play
1: it out and try it out and see how it runs. And that was my first thought. When I put the listing up... At the TsunamiCon site, I need to remember to indicate this is supposed to be a high humor play. It's not a crunchy game; it's a high humor game, and so it's story and humor. Interesting point. Just as a warning, because I'd hate to have a serious player come in and expect we're going to roll dice all the time. And
0: would it be possible to run a serious game with a system? I don't see
1: why not. Well, I suppose you could. It was well, I don't humorous think... because we I made could our run it. Characters serious. humorous.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, but right. I encourage that. I, just, just thinking about that because
0: you could take that entire concept and turn it on its head and make it very macabre. Oh yeah, very macabre, or very, very, very scary. Serious. You know, kind of your your running man style approach to to to
1: survival. <laughs> well, I I tell you an interesting little thing I put in here. Every time there is a one, I start marking off a sheet, mm-hmm. and uh, I roll a d six. And the number of ones we've done. If I roll under that number on a d six, a random event happens, and it could be something horrible.
2: Did we hit any random events?
1: Uh, we did when you when you got those three ones oh, that yeah. put us at four, and I rolled under a four. And uh, I think it got caught up that there was some sort of weird romance entanglement, and the producers made you go over and help. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, basically, there's a character. I don't, you've heard me talk about my character, Brent. <laughs> yeah, we've all heard about Brent. Well, there's on the second <laughs> series of The Circle, there's a guy who's actually a real-life Brent almost. He's He's not gay, though. I don't know that Brent's gay. I think Brent's just doesn't care. Um, just non-specific. <laughs> right, right. But but anyway, so, so I kind of based it off that guy. And so he was sitting here shirtless. And, and I said that the producer said that she had to go over and help him with his cooking, which, of course, was when Martha came in and messed up with the water and ruined the lasagna.
2: Right, right. So
1: it all played in. You guys had a good time with it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a blast. Apparently, they were still talking about it the next day. Now, this Mm. is a play test for you. Did you take anything away from it that you were going to tweak? I do want to re-examine some of the tables because I changed the way I was doing the romance thing. Because at first, I thought everybody would do the same romance thing. But then I thought it would be more fun if we rolled and all did different, sent them on different dates. Right. So I had one that was set up like a dating game setup. That doesn't work with just two people. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So I'll re-examine some of those, but I didn't get any feedback actually requesting changes, but I just got a lot of, that was really fun.
0: Excellent. So uh, key, to, um, key to creating one-shot scenarios, key to developing one-shot scenarios. Obviously, one of the things you did well here was you created an open-ended sort of... I have um, a lot of
1: time flex.
0: Right. Your story is based, obviously, on the character interaction. So
1: all you have to manage as the game master is the challenges. And the time, the and obstacles. So, so yeah, I can make it, and whenever I need to, and right. we just add up the. You scores You can literally and go home. look
0: at the clock, and I, I've talked about this before with people who have asked me about running games and getting a getting a full story of some sort of that four hour slot. It's like, well, you just build it so that there's enough wiggle room, so that when you hit two hours, you can move on to act two. When you hit one hour, you know one hour left, you can move on to the the conclusion. You know, you need to be able to control the timing element. In your case, you are literally able. To control the timing element right. because you could
1: disrupt play at any point to introduce a new timing element. Right. My rails are not covered at any time. You are definitely on the train and <laughs> you're reacting to the scenery as it goes by. Which is great because the buy-in is there. I mean, that's
0: that's part of it. Right. And I, I think, you know, that's something that people have to understand both as players and as game masters when it comes to one-shot games. A certain amount of buy-in makes sense no matter what. So you always have to be, for the best experience, you always have to be open to whatever's coming. You know, try to uh, read the story as it's happening and be part of it, not work against it, not rebel. You know, it's unusual, but sometimes you'll have players who will have zero interest in what's laid out in front of them in that course of that story and uh, try to go somewhere else. But the nice thing about creating a story with more narrow parameters like that in a game that, that focuses on them is that the tendency is to develop everything in the direction that it's built for. You know, there really isn't a great alternative to that. There's no side uh, tangenting off of this in all likelihood. Right. It's kind of like when Vanessa ran the uh, Monkey Ninja Pirate Robot. Yes. At the hey, last got it right. event. I, got, I, was, I was working on it. Where you created a, uh, a challenge, a physical challenge, where it literally it was like we had to it was kind of a game show too. Yep. where we had to get from one level to the next to the next to the next to, the next, to deal with the challenges that are in front of us. It was, a, it was kind of that Ninja Warrior-style game. Yep. I mean, really, there wasn't a lot of ways to tangent off of that and, and make any sense. It's nope, you would have had to break
2: through the walls of the pyramid you were in. Literally,
0: literally. <laughs> yeah, literally have to break out of the off the rails. Break break the second wall.
2: No! <laughs> <laughs> Please, no! Oh... Uh...
0: But, I mean, also, in a game where you have, like I said, in a game where you have enough versatility, where
1: you can drive that at whatever pace you need to. You well, and I, I do have to say, I love running in one-shots. One of the things, when I've ran in one shot, there have been a number of times where you could tell time had gone by far enough, and the GM's like, well, you figure this out. You know, you feel <laughs> like, you like roll a two to notice something, and you're like, well, you notice this, 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 and this. And I'm like we need to get moving, don't we? <laughs> You're like, what have I? What would I know to, God, what did I miss? Because <laughs> <laughs> you could tell the GM's like, okay, we need to keep moving because we need to get through this story. So
0: you found all these clues about which but, way to go to find the murder suspect, but you rolled
1: so low you missed that the murder suspect was standing there with a knife and a confession note waiting for you to notice him, you know? But I can't say... I can't say that I didn't enjoy those just as much. It was just like, oh, I can't believe we missed that. That was so obvious we should have went that direction. Uh, And still had a great time because we always played great characters, which is a great thing about this community. Well, as far as, I mean...
0: You 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 play a lot of convention games. You have played a lot of convention games, so you kind of have uh, enough experience probably to get a feel for what works well, what doesn't, for you as a player at the very yeah. least. And that helps. I know um, I know we've all done you know one shot gaming and convention gaming. Vanessa's run uh, some various games as well.
2: Yeah. And uh, is not there recently? But yeah, <laughs> what, has,
0: is there anything you've experienced that that definitely tells you what not to do? You know, any of the challenges that you come across in a game. And not not saying we need to throw. You know, throw our friends under the bus for running games right. didn't go well. But in terms of how I, you know, what are the kinds of things that can happen that as a if you were if you were running a game, you would want to make
1: sure it didn't happen.
2: Leaving the world too open, it's a one shot. Please put rails in it.
1: <laughs> you don't have to hide the rails. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time to play Fable. <laughs> That's fair.
2: Like I've I've played in a game that was literally you're world traveling experts. Where in the world do you want to go? Excuse me. Just give me like two or three options. I'll pick one. Just don't leave the world as an option. Yeah. Options
0: are good. Options are good. As a as a game master, putting situations in front of players, you could even create the illusion of a great deal of versatility if you put specific and attractive
1: options in front of the players Exactly. that are going to draw them into the story. Well, plus, if you tell me I can be anywhere in the world and I tell you Chinatown, San Francisco, and you start talking about things that don't exist in Chinatown, San Francisco, where I have been... I'd rather have places that I know you can experience. That's fair. I can either see some place new that you've seen or you know enough about, or we can go to a place where neither of us know it, but I'm not going to a place that I know well that you know nothing about.
0: Interesting kind of extrapolation too, because I think I well, obviously I would never run a game where I said, Where in the world do you guys want to start? because I'm always going to start a game with having made those decisions ahead of time. In and in in. In, an, in a in a one-shot game. <laughs> well, it, I mean, frankly, frankly in, it's a, in almost any game that you're going to start that way as the game master anyway, you have to know where your opening scenario is. Mm-hmm. But the uh the the practice of, of working in real-world geography actually can be complicated. There are advantages, there are disadvantages. If you're running a game that takes place uh in modern-day Earth in, or, you know, what basically then you, know, you have things like the internet uh, at your disposal, often on your phone. <laughs> you have maps, you have GPS, you have all these things that can help you figure right. out very specific information about a place in addition to the wealth of knowledge that has come from just generally absorbing imagery and ideas about various cultural touchstones throughout the world. You know, I would have a harder time if you told me you wanted to start in New Delhi, India, because I, I don't have, uh, other than a few... General ideas of places in India. I don't have any personal experience with it, you know. So I all I can do is paint a
1: very broad picture. Right, and try not to be racist.
0: Depending on the player, well, it's, it's cultural.
1: That yeah, right it's a, that's yeah, but it's really easy to do if you depending just don't know. The, well. Depending
0: on the players to fill in the gaps in their own minds instead. Right, but if you were to say Chinatown, I I might personally run into the same problems. I've never been to Chinatown,
1: so I, but <laughs> so so I've you seen, end up describing out of the big trouble in Little China, and I'm like, yeah.
0: But I have run a game <laughs> at least once. I've run a game maybe a couple times that has gone to Chinatown. I didn't have to know it to create general ideas Ideas, that fit the area. If I'm going to take somebody to a place that I know, because I've run a game in Wichita before. I've run a couple games that took place in Wichita, where we live, and where I generally expect most of my players to know the lay of the land, which is the fun of it, obviously, at that point. And use landmarks that are common in Wichita, but then change some of the application of them to fit the story. Right. You know? I've done that
2: before. But, Pick uh, the
0: place and put something there. So put something in that office building that isn't typically in that office building,
1: you know? yeah. especially if it's
0: like paranormal or something.
1: Well, and that was like my Huska Castle mm-hmm. game I That's a my really brand. good example. Since the person who invited these different social media people paid for the tickets it was real easy to say when you guys got off the plane you found out you were all directed towards the same car you get to meet each other on the car trip to the hotel boom we're rolling
0: and that was a really interesting example because as a one-shot game it posed challenges as well because it's investigative And investigative games generally are created to to, to provide players enough ample opportunity to find clues and information on
1: their own. I learned I should have made more clues, and I have since got the advice that there's never too many clues. That was a great scenario. If the characters pick it up fast... That's
0: fine. That's a great scenario. You could do it again, probably, and and eliminate a lot of the issues that we had in the one that we talked about. Right? Yeah. You know, I don't you, even remember there, was there a being pacing that much issue. on issue. It was just pacing. It was. and yeah, That's pacing. all it was. I think that because right, I didn't have enough clues. <laughs> <laughs> Richard
1: got a little frustrated at how long it was taking us to figure shit out. You know. Uh. Although I will say one thing, I learned last week. I just happened to be while doing work improvement stuff, run across a half hour module where I was learning about imposter syndrome. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go ahead and take it. I have a half an hour left. That's a half an hour video, whatever, I'm getting paid. I start taking, I'm like, well, I don't really have imposter syndrome at work, so I don't have to worry about that, but it might help my DMing some. Uh, and then by the end of the module, I was like, oh, it's I have a everywhere. lot of imposter syndrome, especially in my D&D, but definitely at work as well. And uh, in the week since I've taken that module, yeah, I have had a much happier life. And I ran that game I ran afterwards. And that was the most fun experience I had running a game because I quit questioning myself. I listened to positive feedback and I quit thinking... That I had to know everything and be everything and do everything to be perfect in order to be a DM.
2: I need to watch that video.
0: I think this this type of LinkedIn. game, this type of <laughs> game, is really good for you too. Because the, where I've seen you struggle the most is when you try, run games where you try to prepare every little thing, or you're working from
1: a script. And that's the expert thing. I'm trying to be expert. I'm trying to know everything about everything that could possibly happen, and I don't
0: need to And do it seems that. to make you miserable,
1: yeah. I, I, I get
0: it. And for reference, you know, if, if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, we're talking about the sense, and most people probably do, at least in some level, we're talking about the sense that you are simply not really as good as people expect you to be in
1: whatever it is you're doing. As I'm trying to be a GM, I'm constantly thinking these people are going to just start calling me out on being a Mm -hmm. crap GM anytime because I have no right to be running a game
0: and it's simply not true. I've I've had the experience with other things, not not really running games, but that probably is because I've been running games regularly since
1: I was like eight years old. Because you've had the experience right. positively,
0: and 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 all that positive feedback and and self analysis has led me, and not to mention to it, nine years of this podcast, has led me to recognize things that I needed to be aware of and alter and you know uh, adapt to. And I I really relish those opportunities. I've never looked at them as a correction or as a problem or as a critique. But, for example, as a musician, as an artist, there have been plenty of times in my life, and it often happens if you – it often happens with people when we have to work really hard to achieve things. And then you get to a certain level that is in that particular craft beyond the level of most amateur people. And they look at you like you are somehow really good. And then you start feeling that sense of, I'm a fraud.
2: I'm not really as good as you think I am. No. And, and I, I want to tell people that sometimes, too. I've been through that. I've been through that. <laughs> but
0: I, I do love I, your I blues
1: it. on guitar, sir. Well, thank you. But that is actually a, a very strong example and of... I have very high standards when it comes to music.
0: Uh, it, it, yeah, but you know what? The, that album that you bought that, that is out there that I played on, that I played beautifully on, I can't play that shit anymore. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I get it. I I absolutely get it. I appreciate what I've accomplished as a musician. I will continue to push myself and do more. But there was definitely a time in my life when I would get up on stage and I would play and people would come at me and talk about how amazing I was or how much they could do that. Or, you know, they start, they really wanted to learn the guitar or, or they're really drunk and they're throwing themselves at me. Anyway, it's been a while. Any, anyway, that happened to pan out. I always felt like it was entirely undeserved at that period of my life. And uh, it's we're talking about 20 years ago now. I mean, I definitely got past that as a musician, as an artist. Right.
1: But uh, it's not hard to understand. I, I like some of your recent stuff that you've made for the... Casts and stuff too. So,
0: oh uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta work on them more. I would, you know,
1: so, so, so weird. Accept <laughs> the positive feedback.
0: A weird <laughs> a lot a lot of things of happened in the pandemic though, and I, I'm starting to kind of question my own abilities a little bit as an artist because um, if you, if you are really good at something and really passionate about something, typically you are really driven to do it. You know, there's not always, but. It, I, I could contrast it specifically with people who do things professionally. Um, if you do something artistic professionally, like a writer, which is something that I I, yeah. I fancy myself a writer, um, I feel that I have talent, and I was happy with the accomplishment of the first book I got out there. Okay, So I'm good, and I'm working on the next one, blah, blah, blah. But if you are a writer, a lot of professional writers, people who do this professionally and they make the living at it, and especially really successful ones, have a writing regimen that is like a full-time job. You have to have your focus, right? And of course, they don't have to have a full-time job on top of it, which is, you know, the ones who are really good at it, really really successful, at it, I it, not mean. I mean, because there's a lot of people that are really good at it who are not, obviously. Right. Just like with anything. But there is a there is there's a sense there that either they have accepted that it needs to be treated like a job and disciplined themselves or they are and this is probably likely in the case of a lot of these people who are very successful they are compelled to do it. Where if you love writing, and you constantly gotta write. And you sit down every day and have things to write and the stories just can't get out of you fast enough and you are always working on something. And it's there. It's part
1: of your everyday life. I don't have that in me. Right. Neither do I. I don't have that in me. When I was in the 90s, I had focus and I was able to write a lot. Now I have a hard time writing and I know it's because I don't have focus. If I really wanted to do writing again... I would have to make some changes in order to be able to have that focus because right now everything comes in at me.
0: Well, and I thought that a lot of that was something I would have if the opportunities in life gave it to me. Like I didn't have the stress of a full-time job, 40, 50, 60 hours a week working and being tired all the time and being having kids and all these other things. I just kind of trained myself to think that if I could surpass that, if I could get around it, and this is what I could do with my time, that maybe I would do it. If not writing, music, right? These are my passions other than gaming. And neither one is something that I, I mean, we had, the pandemic was a year of me not working. I mean, let's let's be honest. I've done, I I spent a lot of time focusing on podcasting and my community and, and all this stuff. Right, planning there, the conventions, selling tea—you know—it's just, but it's it's all very passive stuff a
1: lot of the time. But there are still other stresses and stress pulls focus. Right. And of course, we were you know—money was always an issue because we're in that situation always for everybody. But I thought with all that
0: time, I'd be doing something productive, and it didn't happen. It just right. isn't happening. So, so get get around to recently, and I and I just talk about this because I, I wonder if other people can relate to it. Getting around to recently, we are, we you know. In our household, I still have a lot of time right now but I because I'm not working a regular gig. I do a lot of contract work, but I do it on my own schedule. But I'm also uh, going to school. I'm doing online college, right? So I'm, I'm working on my MBA. The classwork is is pretty heady. I mean, there's, there's a lot there that I've got to focus on. It's definitely uh, master's level know, classwork. Hours and hours <laughs> every week that I've got to focus on. I don't um, miss it. All that stuff. But there is a an interesting phenomenon in that because I've noticed that I noticed first I noticed that any time that I really had to sit down like I mean it's getting towards my the thing is due in the next day or two
2: procrastination it's take some work
0: right <laughs> any time I get to that point I want to do anything else I'm inspired That's to write I'm procrastination to is make my music. music. So, and so I was thinking, oh well, this is it. This is what's happening. Is I just it's because my brain is going anywhere else. because I don't want to do the work, right? So it's just going out to other things, saying, hey, you know, you don't really want to do the schoolwork. Let's let's write another chapter. Let's work on that song. You know, let's do these other things. Let's work on a game. Let's plan. You know, I, hell, I've edited more podcasts every time. Mean, I'm supposed to be anything else. <laughs> But then the strange thing happened. I realized I get around to the part of the week when I don't have that pressure, where I've got days before the next thing is due, and I don't have to work on it right now, and I would have the time to do those things, and I have zero inspiration. Yes. And I am floored by that realization. It says something about me that makes me very uncomfortable. Like It I says am-
2: something about me that makes me uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> Welcome. I, uh, I, I feel like perhaps I'm only really motivated and
1: inspired by pressure.
2: Deadlines. Deadlines are amazing inspiration. It's terrifying. Yep,
1: yep. Procrastination is my muse. Yep, I absolutely. I don't like it. I don't
0: like it at all. So um, when it comes to... I, I run into the same thing a lot of times when it comes to gaming. I, I have... I have a proficiency as a game master that I won't ever get to a game session and not be able to do anything. It's not a stressor for me in that regard. But I always have preparation I need to do. My problem is that usually I run a lot of homebrew stuff. Usually that requires inspiration. It does require me to come up with story beats and NPCs and ideas and twists and turns and constructs that the players can feed into and work with and, and, and discard at their leisure. I need... To build stuff, I need to build ideas. And I often run into the same problem. If I am free and clear to work on it, I got no inspiration. I got nothing. The game is tomorrow.
1: Pressure. (laughs) Right. Well, and to be fair, there's a genuine fear involved here because when you throw up the pages because we do something absolutely ridiculous, you have such a risk from paper cuts from all those pages (laughs) flying back down. I Um, throw them
0: over my shoulder. I'm good at it. It happens so often.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Although when so,
0: as soon as I started moving to electronics, throwing the laptop over my shoulder became really dangerous.
1: Yeah, uh, Jonica stares at you when you do
0: that. <sighs> not anymore. She doesn't stand behind me. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she's usually one of the people making me throw the damn laptop, so that's not True really a story. problem.
1: True story. I love her so much. Uh,
0: I I wish she was gaming with us more. She's. I not, wish she was yes. not feeling with us, us more. It. Yeah. Well, definitely not feeling that. <laughs> that's asking a lot. But uh, this game we're getting into now is interesting
1: i want to see it develop some. I'm just, we're, I we're doing am this. so excited.
0: Um, anyway, I I definitely wanted to take an opportunity to talk about your game this week because you told me you guys got a chance. Because you've been talking about it for we a couple did, weeks. And, and you know,
1: if a Sunday game falls through, I can just pick it up and do it. As a matter of fact, right now I just need to print out two pages and I'm ready to go. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I, I, at this point, I think we're. I, I think we have a game we can. I think we're game. anxious to get into it a little bit. So I um, am.
2: I yes, am. I love playing a character that sings everything. It's
0: just awesome. Jason. Do you have do you have a character you still got to write up or?
2: No, he has you? the lion. He has. The I lion, have a theory.
1: Lion. I do not have a character. You have A theory.
2: I thought you'd already written most. of I thought of it. we wrote up the lion. Character. We
1: didn't. Oh. Touch anything. I said I'm going to do this with this and this, and you were still on the computer, and then I left. Oh my bad. We never actually wrote anything down. We really need to get you an actual laptop. Well, when I get Something made in this decade. I did my and... best, man. <laughs> Something made in this decade. And I, I appreciate what I have ask. been lent and given. Well, next time I have an extra 700, I'll pick up another Lenovo. There you go. It's a good computer. Well, uh,
0: I know it's going to be kind of a shorter show, but we're going to try to focus on getting things out more often, and uh, that means just kind of working with the time that we have. So, uh, I, once again, tsunami Con is coming up going to be October 22nd through 24th. It's completely online. It's a virtual convention this year. Uh, looking forward to getting things rolling on that, uh, go to tsunamicon.org to keep up with the details and, uh, you know, let us know if you have any questions or comments about the convention or the, the events that are coming up. If you've got ideas for events, feel free to submit them. You can go ahead and, Uh, List events now, and all you have to do if you got something you want to run, a game you want to run, particularly a game, you know, (laughs) if if you're just wanting to hang out for a conversation, do it under panel. Um, But whatever it is you'd like to do with your fellow gamers online during the convention, you just uh, you know put the information in, the details about it. Make sure you include details if, if people have to. Be able to, you know, if they need any certain um, virtual tabletop access or anything, make sure you glue that in the in the description. We will have Discord channels dedicated to every event, so you'll yep. have that
1: available. Uh, talk in and virtual uh, text spaces, channels. virtual. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a high tea again, aren't we? we I are want to have a high do, tea. Absolutely, I love we high are. tea. Oh my god, yeah. your tea! Get that That's on so the schedule great. Great. soon. Get that on the schedule. Oh. I, got, I got to
0: get. I got to get Jonica's uh, design together for it. See what she wants to do exactly, but. Last year was fun. Last year we did we had a good time with it. Yeah.
1: So And if you plan and submit a Hyrule related game, I can almost guarantee you I'll do my best to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Zelda is, is
0: is a is a big hit with the cast, so there you go.
1: Uh just provide your link. What?
0: <laughs> and if you have any um, advice you'd like to share uh, about the uh, the topic in this show or, of course, any of our recent programming, anything you would like to, uh, you know, personal experiences you'd like to tell us about or any questions for us that you'd like us to discuss on the show, please feel free to drop us a line feedback at prismaticsunami.com. Or you can also visit us on our uh, Discord server, which is all, all linked on the uh, website. And uh, be sure to check out Exposition Street if you haven't, if you're a movie buff. That is a, a fun show. We have a lot of fun with it, and we'd love to know that people are listening and enjoying it. We, we get the occasional comment, but not a lot so far. And uh, we've
1: already had 30 episodes, I think. Yeah, and they cover the gambit. I mean, we started with Willow, and I'm still proud of how that episode came out, even though we've evolved since then. So if you're waiting
0: for enough episodes to binge, it's time. Well and obviously it's a movie cast so you definitely want to make sure you know the movie before you listen to the show because true. we spoil the fuck out of it
2: or you have to be really okay with spoilers yeah yeah either way that's true
0: but uh, but it is fun you know it's just like getting together and uh, talking to your friends about things you love and hate about the movies that you watch that you've all watched it's the same experience only you get to listen to us do it and can't say anything to us at the time that we can hear. I guess that covers it. Feedback. That. But I'd Prismatic love to read tsunami. the com. feedback. <laughs> yeah. So check that out at expositionstreet.prismaticsunami.com or look for it on your uh, your podcatchers. Did I destroy your favorite movie? Let me know. Yeah, Jason's good at that. You, you um, did.
1: You did several times, sir. Aww.
2: It hurts.
0: Thank you for joining us for episode number 259 of Metagamers Anonymous. We're getting on out of here for this week. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm Jason. I'm Rich.
2: And I'm Vanessa.
0: Good night, everybody.